Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Back at it. Quick turnaround, episode 118 for the love of the game. Let's get this work. Everybody, episode 118 for the love of the game. Quick turnaround from the last episode. Calendar allowed it to be. So here we are. We're back. But trust me, there's plenty to talk about. We are in the middle of the NBA Finals. Game three, the Bucks won by 20. Giannis was great. We'll talk about that in a second. We are in MLB's all-star break. Tonight is the home run derby. Shohei Otani is the main attraction. For him, he's the number one seed in the Derby. We'll see what happens with that. Let's uh, let's just say he made some headway. Uh, Stephen A. Smith had some things to say. There's a lot of fallout. We'll discuss that in a second. But we kick things off with the New York Yankees. The Yankees have been scuffling this entire season. It hasn't been pretty. Right now, they're 46 and 43. But they played the Houston Astros in a series. Astros are the best team in the American League. The Yankees took the first two games, a shutout of 4-0. Then Garrett Cole has an absolutely dominant performance. Aaron Judge hits the home run, 1-0 Yankees. Garrett Cole has 120 pitches going into the last batter uh, against Alvarez. Aaron Boone tries to take him out for Chapman, who has been absolutely dreadful. Cole says, absolutely not. Not on your life. Well, he used a lot of F-bombs. Apparently, he said he used a lot of F-bombs and blacks out, and he strikes out Alvarez, basically shoving it in Aaron Boone's face, basically shoving it in the stat nerd's face. I loved everything about it. Loved everything about it. So now we win the first two games. You're dreaming sweep, right? I know the goal is to win series for the Yankees to get back in it. I mean, they have got a lot of games ahead against the Boston Red Sox. They're currently eight back, so you think – that going into Sunday, there's a lot of good juju, right? A lot of good juju after what Garrett Cole just did. Coming on the heels of a couple of rough starts, talk about sticky stuff and that he's not the same guy. That's all nonsense, all right? Just a blip in the radar. The guy's awesome, okay? And he proved it that night, put his nuts on the table, told Aaron Boone to shut the hell up and sit down, and it was great, all right? It was great. And then Sunday comes along. Yanks are up 7-2 in the ninth. And what do you know? Couple of runners get on. Chad Green comes in, who's been lights out all year. Doesn't look like he has stuff. And one thing leads to another. 7-5. At this point, you probably know what's happening here because the Yankees have lost a bunch of weird games this season. Jose Altuve comes to the dish. Two runners on. 7-5. Walk off three-run home run. Just unbelievable. 
Unbelievably terrible. A terrible, terrible loss for the Yankees. Right up there with the loss against the Mets. Right up there against the meltdown against the Anaheim Angels. I mean, all of Major League Baseball, when going into the ninth inning up five runs. And by the way, this isn't a game where the Yankees walked 14 times. So they should have had like 14 runs as opposed to seven runs. But whatever. That's not the point. I mean, it kind of is. But let that slide for now. When teams have been up five runs going into the ninth, they've only lost twice. It's like something like 49-2. and The Yankees have both those losses. It's just ridiculous. And again, and again, win series, that gets you back in it. They won a series against the Astros. They won a series against the Seattle Mariners, who they always play well in Seattle, even though they could have gone for the sweep and they look lifeless only getting one hit. It's just two steps forward, one step back for this team. I hate everything about this team. And yet, for some stupid reason, I keep thinking to myself that they're going to make a comeback and get in this, not just in the wild card race, which are four and a half out, but into the division race. And maybe I'm just nuts. Maybe I'm just blind to this because they don't do anything particularly well. They don't pitch particularly great. They don't hit well with runners in scoring position. They definitely don't situationally hit very well. Like, what do they do well? They don't feel particularly well. They don't run the bases particularly well. What does this team do well? This team needs a makeover. Everybody in the front office, the manager needs to go. But so anyway, but the Yankees are four and two, you know, two straight series wins into the All-Star break. Let's see what happens after the All-Star break. So the NBA Finals, as I mentioned, game three, series shift back to Milwaukee. I predicted on this show that Milwaukee was going to come out look a lot better. I thought they played pretty well in game two. And the difference was, is the fact that in game two, Phoenix shot 20 for 40 from three. But guess what? That didn't happen in game three. And Milwaukee takes it, win by over 20. And Giannis was absolutely sensational. Drew Holiday had a solid game, but the story was Giannis. Another 40-point 20 rebound game. That's two in a row. The first guy to do that since Shaquille O'Neal. Giannis Antetokounmpo, by any metric, any standard, is one of the three best players in the NBA. All right. I don't want to hear the slander. I don't want to hear it from the Twitter mob that he has no bag or whatever. Like, shut up. Substance over style, you idiots. Okay. Giannis Antetokounmpo is no worse than the third best player in the league. There's a sophistication to his game now offensively that it's gone up a level in these playoffs. He's seeing the court differently and he's realizing when to pick his spots to be super aggressive and when to get his teammates involved. And he's just sensational. He's just sensational. And I've been beating this drum all the time of how great he is. And I've been getting a lot of pushback. Like some people honestly thought that Anthony Davis was better than Giannis Antetokounmpo. Anthony Davis couldn't hold Giannis's jock strap, right? They're not even in the same stratosphere. He's just tremendous. And, and it looks to me, and I, I mentioned it in the last episode, that even if, I should say, even the fact that Milwaukee was down 2-0, to zero, there were some positive signs in Milwaukee. If they came out flat in game one, they played better in game two, the defensive rotations were better, they, they just looked a little bit better, but Phoenix had an all-time shooting night. And it didn't happen in game three. 
So now we're at game four, right? Which could be the turning point of any series that's up 2-1. I fully expect Milwaukee to tie this thing up and this thing to go seven games. I really do. Drew Holiday played well, but Chris Middleton still hasn't gotten it going. So you're still waiting for that one Chris Middleton game. And I just, and something tells me that, that Giannis is just at this point where he can just impose his will. It just imposes well because they got nothing for him. I mean, you saw Aiton was in foul trouble. And after DeAndre Aiton, they had absolutely nobody on the Phoenix Suns front line to end. I mean, Frank Kaminsky was a disaster. He was minus 12 in about 12 minutes. Like those minutes were gross. Torrey Craig doesn't want anything to do with Giannis. Jay Crowder can't handle him. Mikael Bridges can't handle him. I think it as the series goes on, Giannis physicality and the sheer force of that guy is going to take over the series. And I think the Bucs are going to win in seven. I really do. I really do. I just, you know, but for Phoenix, you don't expect to get a 314th night from Booker again. I don't know. I don't know. I just think that there was something that Milwaukee kind of figured out. And you saw it in the earlier rounds. It takes them a while to figure things out in the playoffs. They're, they're a maddening team. They're a maddening team, but somehow I can't quit them. And it's just because Giannis is so great offensively, defensively. I just think that this could be a signature moment in his career where he's just like, I'm not letting us lose again. And I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be shocked. So that's uh, the NBA finals. It'll be interesting to see what happens in game four on Wednesday night. There's other basketball going on. FIBA NBA basketball started. The Olympics are right around the corner. Team USA, a couple of tune-up games in Las Vegas, one against Nigeria. Didn't go great. Didn't go great. Three-point loss, 90-87 to Nigeria. And then there was tonight. And I waited to record this until after the game against Australia. Australia is one of the better teams in FIBA. But Team USA shouldn't be losing. They shouldn't be losing. I know it's been cobbled together quick. It may be the fact that no matter how talented Team USA is, if you don't have enough time to practice, it's not going to uh, go well for them. The defensive rotations were atrocious tonight, just absolutely atrocious, and that takes time. You can't get too riled up because they're missing a couple of pieces. Devin Booker, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, and I think Drew Holiday would really help this team because they can't guard quick guards. I mean, Patty Mills had his way tonight against them. It's just there are a couple of things on the roster, though, that make you scratch your head. Like, why isn't De'Aaron Fox on this team? I just sang the praise of Drew Holiday as a guard, but like as an initiator of offense to get others involved, like that's not really his thing. So beyond Lillard, who's, I wouldn't say like a pass first point guard who, who really thrives in getting guys open shots. Like he gets guys open shots based on his own offensive brilliance, but he's, he's kind of shoot first. Who's the table setter here? Like it's going to be Draymond Green and Bam Adebayo from the center spot. That's a little weird. Where's De'Aaron Fox? Where's a guy like Jared Allen? I mean, the whole thing with Kevin Love, and I kind of defended it because he's a big with international experience who can shoot the three. We didn't even play tonight. So now that selection looks even worse. And again, you can't get too riled up because these are tune-up games. Team USA literally has been practicing for a week. They'll get guys back. You know, Middleton will help them. Drew Holiday will help them. But... The fact that they have Booker, Zach Levine, and Bradley Beal on this team, as opposed to another table setter and a point guard, is a little questionable. 
And another thing, are we sure Greg Popovich is really that great of a coach anymore? Like, I know he was an assistant to Krzyzewski. I know he was the next in line. But when he was, when they gave him the job, it was 2016. It's now 2021, all right? I think the game has passed him by a little bit. Why not Eric Spolstra? It just, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what they do. I still think they'll figure it out, but the world is caught up and they don't have the continuity that the other teams have because of the way the NBA season works out. That's just the way it is. So it'll be interesting to see. So as I mentioned, the home run derby is tonight. Shohei Otani was the big, uh, big attraction. Didn't make it out of the first round, but that's fine. I mean, again, as I mentioned on the last podcast, it's really crazy. The fact that a guy who is going to be starting the all-star game as a pitcher is also leading the American league in home runs and is by far the best player in the league and how this isn't a bigger story nationally. Well, Stephen A. Smith on first take today alluded to the fact that he said two things. One, that the fact Otani hitting 279, as he says, is a 270 hitter, is not box office. And he said the other reason was the fact that, you know, he needs an interpreter to speak. So let's break this down a little bit because Twitter had a field day, right? Basically calling Stephen A. a racist against Asians. Like it was, we'll just break this down what he said. So let's talk about the first one that he's not box office, right? 279 batting average not being box office. Batting average has kind of gone by the wayside. The way the league is today, the way baseball is set up, it's a three outcome sport. And I think that's actually turned some people off. So while I think that Shohei Otani is plenty box office, you know, there may be something to the fact that what Stephen A. Smith said, where he's a 279 hitter, is not box office. I do think that's a bit of an overstatement. I mean, let's be honest, Stephen A. Smith is not a baseball expert. And how could he be? He's stretched so thin by ESPN. Like he's watching boxing, he's watching NBA, he's doing NFL stuff. Like he's working his ass off, and the network is pushing him for boxing on ESPN Plus and UFC on ESPN Plus, right? They're pushing him to be an expert in the NBA, and that's his bread and butter, and NFL, because those are the sports that the network cares about most. So he's not going to be an expert on ES on baseball. That's just not what it is. Like he doesn't have enough time during the day. He's doing first take. He's doing a radio show. He does sports center segments all the time. Like let's, let's not get on him about, you know, his analytical skills regarding baseball, but that wasn't what got everybody up in arms is the fact that he insinuated that because Shohei Otani doesn't speak English and needs a translator that he had that major league baseball is having a tough time marketing him because he doesn't connect with fans in that way. And everybody got up in arms saying that Stephen A is a, a racist that, you know, Stephen A went full MAGA, like just ridiculous. Twitter was ridiculous. I can't, I can't believe that that was the reaction. Now is the fact that he doesn't speak English. The only reason why he's not marketed well enough. No baseball's had a tough time marketing its young stars for years. All right. It's a baseball problem. They don't do a good job of it. I don't know why. I don't know what the solution is. It should be better. But also Shohei Otani currently plays in a league 
where majority of people, I would say 95% of the fans of the MLB, English is their first language, all right? So to say that the fact that he doesn't speak English makes it difficult to connect with fans. Now, do I think that's the biggest reason? No, but you can't tell me it's not a factor, right? When they want to listen to a post-game press conference where he can't make a joke and he can't relate to people because it's through a translator, you can't tell me that that's not a factor. So to dismiss that as crazy is just being naive. And secondly, to call the man a racist for that is nuts. He's completely asinine, all right? Completely asinine. I've so had it with people who, as a default, call things racist because they're not smart enough to formulate an opinion and talk about it in an educated way. So because they're angry about something, they don't agree. Racism. I got news for you, right? 98% of whatever you see being called racist isn't racist, all right? At a certain point, when you cry wolf, you know, words have to matter, all right? So just calling people racist when it's not racism diminishes actual acts of racism. It's crazy. It's so nuts, and this is a trend that's been going on for about four fucking years, and I've had it, all right? I've had it. So on to the last thing in this monologue before I bring on a recurring guest to talk about the state of the New York Yankees going into the second half of the season. I just mentioned the worst thing I saw today, Stephen A. Smith stuff and the quote-unquote fallout, calling him a racist, which is ridiculous, to the best thing I saw today. I admit I am not as big a baseball fan as I used to be. I definitely don't follow the Major League Baseball draft at all. But this year was a little different. This year was a little different because there was a prospect who has a very similar upbringing to me. I am a modern Orthodox Jewish kid who loves sports. And Jacob Steinmetz, who's a right-handed pitcher, who's the son of coach Elliot Steinmetz, who's a recurring guest on this program, an excellent guest, who's the coach of Yeshiva University uh, men's basketball team, who I had a great interview with, and I hope to have him on again. Well, Jacob Steinmetz was drafted in the third round, number 77 overall, by the Arizona Diamondbacks. An unbelievable achievement. An unbelievable achievement. Now, he may opt to go to college. He was supposed to pitch at Fordham. But the fact that he was drafted top 100 of a modern Orthodox Jew is incredible. It's just incredible. Now, I watched the video of him celebrating with his friends like 50 times today. I couldn't get enough. I absolutely couldn't get enough. I just, to use a Yiddish word, literally like at a loss for words, to use a Yiddish term, like I'm shepping nafis for that kid. I've never met him personally. I know his father, but I've never been more happy and more proud of somebody that I've never met before. To see the video of that kid with a yarmulke on take a call from a major league organization was just, just so awesome. So awesome. And for everybody who grew up like me, right? 
modern orthodox kid. I played sports my entire life. And I dreamt of one day being in that moment. Now, I'm not 6'3", 6'4", like Jacob is. I don't throw a 94-mile-per-hour fastball, all right? I'm 5'11". I've got a good jump shot. I learned how to dribble later on in life. I have no hops, all right? But to see that is something I never thought I would see in my lifetime. Honestly, it's just, just incredible. And that doesn't even bring into the fact, you know, everything into the fact of the rise of anti-Semitism in this country. And we've seen in the last couple of months. But this was something that really almost brought a tear to my eye. Being totally honest, being totally, totally honest. And just seeing somebody live out this dream, a dream that I had and I wasn't able to live out. But I'm living vicariously through this kid. And so many kids like me are doing the same. How can you not? How can you not? We grew up in the same kind of circle, the same Jewish circle, right? We went to competing high schools. It's just unbelievable achievement, an unbelievable achievement. And you bet your ass that whatever team he ends up playing for, if he ever makes the show, that I'll be rooting for that team. Because I'll be rooting for him. And even if he never pitches in the majors, he was drafted top 100, the third round of the Major League Baseball draft. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. What else can you say? So, Jacob, I wish you all the success in life. I wish you luck. I hope you make it to the show. I'll be rooting for you every step of the way. And do it for guys like me, all right? Do it for guys like me who dreamed of this their entire lives and you're living it out. So kudos to you. By far the best thing I've seen all day. And with that said, we're going to bring on a recurring guest to talk about the New York Yankees heading into the second half of the season in just a matter of moments. As I mentioned just a little bit earlier, we're bringing back on a recurring guest to talk about the state of the New York Yankees going into the all-Star Weekend, All-Star Break, I should say. Uh, Mr. Andrew Sender. Andrew, what's good, bro? What's going on? Every, you know, just a little upset about Sunday's game, but, you know, still happy that the Yanks took two out of three to head into the break. So, so let's talk about good. that for a second, all right? Might as well start right off the bat. I thought we were going to have a very different conversation. Uh, after Saturday night's win, I went on to Instagram. I had a little bit of a rant. It felt great. And then Sunday's loss, uh, giving up six in the ninth to take my, the wind out of my sails a little bit. Why should I not be totally, totally bummed out about the way the Yankees entered the All-Star break? Well, I mean, you shouldn't be totally bummed out because the goal was after like coming into the series was to take two out of three. So even when they won on Saturday, I even said to my father, I said, I really don't care what they do on Sunday. It'd be great to win. But the way they lost, yeah, it, it, it really stung Sunday night. But I'm still happy that they took two out of three. And I think they'll, they'll really build on this because the team looks so much better. I think there could have been some different um, changes, I guess, that could have been made throughout Sunday's game. I thought they really wanted to pitch Chapman on Saturday in a one-run ball game. Why not pitch him in the five-run ball game? Test, it, test him out there. But, you know, so, it's over now. So I, 
I agree with you in a sense that, okay, so let me ask you, I guess, let's preface it by this. Um, Boone's decision in the ninth inning in the, um, in Sunday's game, were you pro what he did? Were you anti? Where'd you lie in that, in that respect? So I wasn't really pro or anti. Like, I understand it's a five-run game. Herman has been struggling. Let him pitch. And you know what? Let's not waste a high leverage arm. I, I get it. But the thing that I don't understand is that if he, if he was willing to put in Araldis Chapman on Saturday in a game that we needed to win, why wouldn't you put him in on Sunday? Like, what, like I don't understand the logic in that. Put him in on Sunday. There's no stress. He's got a five-run lead. Let him give up a run or two. It doesn't even matter. It's just confidence to not blow a game that he needs right now. So I, yeah. Once Chad Green didn't have it going, would you have pulled Chad, Chad Green at that point, or were you just going to ride with um, ride with Chad Green? So I, I mean, I love Chad Green. I think he's been so underappreciated the last couple he's been of years. Phenomenal for them he's all been year. So- so good. I mean, even for the last three years, you can four years, you'd even say he's been unreal and he always gets better, which I love. But you could see yesterday his command was off. And I'm not so sure why no one was in the bullpen, especially when if he was willing, once again, if he was willing to put in Chapman on Saturday, how do you not have him warming on Sunday in a game where you, you kind of felt that something was happening? And that the Astros were going to score some runs. So why not have him ready there? And you've made it very clear that Chad Green is not your closer and Chapman is. So when the save opportunity is there, put him in. Like I didn't really get it, but it's so you know. I understood I understood why he didn't put Chapman in there because I think he wants Chapman to start with a clean inning. Once guys were on base, they didn't he didn't want to mess with that because listen, Chapman's a little bit of a head case, right? Uh, closers are head cases in general, and he's like the epitome of that times 10, right? You know, it can't come in with uh, in, without a clean inning. If it's not a save situation, he's a disaster, right? So I understood why they didn't have him in at that spot. Once, now I, I could have understood the, the logic of starting him instead of Herman in that spot, but once he didn't put him to start the ninth, I understood not bringing him in. What I didn't understand was they had somebody else warming. I forget who it was. When Chad Green clearly didn't have him, he gave up the double to make it 7-4, right? That almost went out, by the way. Almost went out. And you're just like, well, maybe it's time because he pitched he pitched 23 pitches or something like that. He had a stressful inning. What was it? The, um, a couple of days before. Yeah, he pitched he was, a lot recently, and you're just like, well, maybe this is the time to pull him. I forget who was in the bullpen, uh, like Luckage or something. Oh, uh, maybe Lucky. I, I, to be honest, yeah. I was on the way back from a barbecue. It was seven two in the bottom of the ninth with two guys on. I said, "Wow, we're gonna sweep the Astros. This is great. Let's go into the All Star break. Morale is high. Let's build on this." And then all of a sudden, after like playing it like an hour and a half of tennis, I just could not believe what I was looking at. So, yeah, I don't know who was in the bullpen, but that whole game was just a little weird. I watched it over, and I don't know. It was just – it was an awkward game. And the fact that it was Altuve, that little rat bastard who did it to them, again, is just – it just sucks. It just sucks. And the reason why this was so demoralizing is because there's, like – 
major in like major league baseball this year, the record of when teams are up five runs going into the ninth is like absurd, right? It's absurd. There's only been two losses going into yesterday's game. And those are for the New York Yankees, right? You had the meltdown against the Angels. You had the meltdown against the Mets. And now this. And it's just like you think you're finally turning a corner and you're really feeling good after Garrett Cole goes out and was unbelievable against the Astros and told Aaron Boone to go sit his loser-ass wet blanket down in the ninth inning and that I personally loved and shoving it in the stat nerds' face. It was fantastic. And then not to be able to build on that, like, if they lost four to two, okay, fine. But they had a five-run lead in the ninth. It's absurd why this team is just so incredibly frustrated. You know, I, I, I even said this to uh, one of my friends who's a big Yankee fan. I said to him, I said, this is the difference between the Yankees of now and the Yankees in 2017. The Yankees in 2017 were gamers. Never would have lost this game. They're Never. gamers. They don't lose this type of way. They close it out, and they don't even give up a run. They don't even give the other team hope. We give too many teams hope, and we are not good enough currently to be doing that. We need to – every game's got to be a playoff game. Like, if we're up by five runs in the ninth, I don't care. Put one of our best arms in. We got to start winning. We need wins. It's so bad that we I, – I don't know how many games they've blown from the eighth inning on this year. It's probably got to be, like, five and above. But it's it's the way that some of these have happened. The Mets, uh, Pete Alonso's in an 0 for 13 stretch. You give him a beautiful pitch um, – Pitch count, you have him with like three fastballs, pounding him, and then you throw him a cookie slider. Like, what are you doing? Then the Angels, another cookie slider to, to Walsh. I mean, it's just, oh, the way they're losing them to give up one to Jose Altuve after mocking him like three times throughout this series. It was just such a shot in the gut. It was horrible. It was really bad. All right, so big picture, all right? Yanks currently sitting at 46 and 43. They are eight out uh, of first place in the division. They are currently four and a half back from a wild card spot. We're not out of it, but we're not where we want to be. Okay. There's a lot of things at, at, at play right now. Like the, you know, Hal Steinbrenner has been very reluctant to go over the luxury tax, right? We've seen, guys who are just not performing to the back of what they, their baseball card, what they normally do. So if you're Brian Cashman, right, how much with this current team do you press Hal to go above the luxury tax? Because that's the only way you're really going to improve at the deadline. And if you get the okay, what are the, some of the first moves that you're going to make or try to make? Well, I think there's only one move to make. I think people have to start playing to the back of their baseball card. That's one. And I think the only move that they should and that I think they can make, because I don't think Hal's going to be willing to really go all out, and I don't think they should because the team should win. It's good enough to win. They're just not playing well. But I think the one move they need to make is either get Starling Marte or Cattell Marte. Either one, 
One's obviously going to be a little cheaper than the other, which is fine. I don't, whatever one you get, it's still perfect fit for the team. The LaCastro was just for the time being, but they knew. He's hitting 190. He's, he's, yeah. he's not it. But they needed a, they needed a, uh, an outfielder. They didn't have anyone. You can't keep Brett Gardner in every day and you can't keep Aaron Judge in center field. And if you're so worried about Aaron Judge and Stan not getting hurt, the fact that you have to put Judge at center was like crazy. Because, I mean, that's just an injury-prone position. But, yeah, I think they need to go out and get either Starling Marte or Cattell Marte. But I also just think these guys need to wake up. And I think it would be great to see some accountability in the clubhouse. If a guy isn't playing well, I don't care if they have an option. Send them down. Put some fear in these guys. They need to feel it. The fact that Glaber Torres has three homers on the season and five in the last, like, two seasons, I mean, this is ridiculous. There needs to be accountability. We can't, we can't keep treating these guys like babies. We, they did it to Gary Sanchez, and I know they had the luxury of just sitting him and putting Kyle Higashioka in, but you see how that turned out. Sanchez switched up his swing. He doesn't do the big leg kick anymore. He looks great at the plate. Let's try it with other guys here and there, you know? Let's get Luke Foyt, sit him a couple games, see how he likes it. These guys want to play, but at the same time, when there's no fear that they won't play, they're not going to change anything because they know that they're protected. I would, I would be super, super active. I try to sell off Luke Voigt, get whatever you can for Luke Voigt. I would try and trade, uh, what's his name? Uh, Glaber Torres. I, I've had enough. I've just had enough. I, we thought he was going to become the second coming of Roberto Alomar. He's playing shortstop. He's bad at playing shortstop unless you're going to get some other shortstop and move him to second base and have LeMayu play first. I don't see where he fits on this team. Uh, obviously you mentioned the outfielders. I don't want to see Clint Frazier ever again. I'd rather not see Miguel and all the time. I don't want to see Brett Gardner ever again. Uh, you have to hope that Corey Kluber is going to come back at some point. Who the hell knows? I mean, Choosing him over Tanaka was just bad. I mean, I was for it. I thought it was, you know, a good risk because Kluber, when healthy, has been great. And he's actually pitched well um, before he got hurt with the Yanks. I mean, uh, Tyone has has shown a little life, but I don't know. Uh, I mean, they need an arm also. I mean, they need an arm, and it's going to be very interesting. I mean, if if they even go 500 against the Red Sox in these next couple of games. Can't you see them being sellers at the deadline? I don't think they'll, I don't think they'll ever sell. I think that's just the way the Yankees are. Like, I just don't think they're in for that. And to be honest, I think before you sell, why not? Let's, let's get rid of the guy who created this. Let's get rid of, let's wash out the Cashman Boone era. Let's get rid of it. All right. We just got a vote of confidence from Hal Steinbrenner. But I I just I can't listen to Hal. I can't. He's just he doesn't know what he's talking about. To but think he runs that the team. He owns the team. I understand, but this is the problem though. This is the problem. He can't the guy, change the owner. Of course you I want to change the owner. You can't change the owner. I I've know, been in the but my whole life. You think I want Dolan around? No, of course. You <laughs> change the owner in a heartbeat if you could, but you can't. But Dolan made a change. Dolan did make a change. 
he he stepped away. He really did this this last season. He put it in the hands of his of his of his general manager. He got a, they got a good coach. They let them run the game. The fact that Hal is putting like confidence into Boone and Cashman after seeing every year we're getting worse and worse and worse and worse. How do you not make a change? You, sometimes you have to. There are some cases where yeah, the team just doesn't perform like this year. I don't think the team is performing that well. But at the same time, to have the same type of player one through nine, we're not doing something right. Something is wrong here, and I think it needs to be addressed. But of course, it probably won't because you know they're they're all house guys. They're not George's guys. It's it's outrageous to me how. Brian Cashman, who's been around for a while and can put together a roster in Yankee Stadium with a short right field porch and have no left-handed hitters. It's malpractice. It's absolute malpractice. Uh, Joel Sherman said something interesting on, um, on the New York, New York podcast that I, that I listened to uh, to prep for this. And he said, you know, Cashman has won basically every trade he's made, right? You know, when, when he traded Andrew Miller at the time, getting Clint Frazier was a huge get for Andrew Miller, right? Getting uh, Glaber Torres for Chapman and then re-signing Chapman when Chapman was really good, getting Glaber Torres who was a top prospect was a great trade, right? All these things, like each individual move was a great move. However, the sum of the parts you know, don't equate the individual parts. And it's not the paint acquiring the colors to paint. You actually have to make the painting, right? If you don't paint on the canvas and the painting looks like shit, then it doesn't matter that all the individual trades that you want, it doesn't matter. So the fact that he's still around is insane. It's insane. And, and if they don't make a serious run, if they don't get rid of him, like at a certain point, you need a new voice, right? You just need a new voice. Things get stale. You need a new voice. And Aaron Boone is just a puppet to Randy Levine and Brian Cashman and the analytics nerds. And so they're not going to want to get rid of Aaron Boone because their whole thing is, oh, you get into the playoffs and it's a crapshoot, which is nonsense, right? And they say that a manager doesn't matter, which is nonsense. Look at the Red Sox. They were dog shit last year. Alex Cora comes back, right? And they're really good again. Yeah, they're in pitching improved a little bit, but you can't tell me he has nothing to do with it. I just, I want everybody out. You know, I, I think they need to fully wash it up and just, like, we need a fresh start. And you know what? You have a lot of pieces that you can either get rid of or keep. And let's just start it first. The, like the, we have guys in the farm system that can come up. And if you have a bad year, you have a bad year. But at the same time, like the Yankees need to just reevaluate what they have done the last three seasons, now heading on four. I'm not counting 2017 because 2017 was great. But from 2018 to 2021, it has been a steady decline every single year. You're getting worse and worse and worse. And the crapshoot in the postseason – it only works for teams that pitch and play defense, and we don't do any of that. It's not the teams that hit for power. You see the Braves every year 
They're out early. The teams like the Nationals, though, teams like the Rays, who play good defense, they pitch well. They'll Not get to mention through. they run the bases correctly. That's it. The they Yankees do the small do. things. Everything that the Yankees do will only work if you're hot. That is the only way it will work. If you if one or two guys is off, you're not making it anywhere because that's how this team works. You can pitch around people and pitch to the guys that stink. If Stan can't hit a curveball in the playoffs, you're not winning. You're not going to win. So it's just they need a real evaluate. They need more guys like I, I honestly I like LeCastro. He's just he's, he's going to run the bases well. He plays defense well. Who cares? He's not going to hit 300. He's not going to hit 30 home runs. But it's a different. It's a change in the lineup. You can't have nine power hitters and none of them hit for average. It's horrendous. I honestly, I hated when they traded Mike Tockman for that exact reason. I, it, was, it was insane to me. It was insane to me. But whatever. Okay, so you said reevaluate things. There's, there's one big piece that needs to be evaluated, uh, considering where the Yankees are, uh, and they may be sellers at the deadline. Um, Aaron judge, Aaron judge has an extension coming up. Aaron judge has an injury history. Aaron judge is going to want to get paid big dollars. He's not really that young. I think he's 29 years old already, right? He's going to be, or is he already turned 30? What do you do with Aaron judge? Because he's the face of the team, the team's best player. Availability is your best ability though. And he's not always available. Are you, for a team that is penny-pinching a little bit, a team that has signed Garrett Cole to a big deal, a team that's paying uh, Chapman a lot of money, which I think they should try and trade Chapman for whatever they can get. But what do you do with Aaron Judge? So, obviously, in fantasy land, I would love for them, because hear me out, the guy, as you said, has been injury-prone his whole career. When he's on the field, he's great. But if you can't stay on the field for 160 games, then you don't deserve a long contract. You don't. I think he deserves a two-year. Give him $35 million a year because he is worth that. He's an unreal player, top-five player when he's healthy. But he does not deserve the long contract. But I think we all know that there's either two outcomes to this. And one of them is a lot more likely than the other. And that's, they're going to probably sign him to this monster 10-year deal. So he will become the next Yankee captain, which that's fine. Whatever, you know, if they want to do that, they can go do that. He's a great player. He'll be a career Yankee and whatever. But I don't think he's worth that. And trading him, I just don't think that's the guy you trade. I think there's other pieces you can trade. I think getting rid of Torres or Voigt, Rand Duhar, all these guys. Get rid of them. Don't get rid of Judge necessarily because he's he's the heart of your team. He's the only guy that every day goes out there and says, I want to win. He's the only guy. No one else cares at all. I'd appreciate it if he, you know, is trolling the other team like he was clearly doing to the Houston Astros, to Altuve. Like, you know, stand by it, right? If you're going to talk some mess, stand by it, and then, like, follow it up with some winning, right? Because every time he talks mess, it seems to not work very well. I mean, we saw it with the New York, New York playing in, in Fenway Park in 2018. Then they got shellacked right after that. I mean, you saw yet this weekend, small microcosm of that. But 
I don't know. I don't know what to do with them. I, I don't know because I know the Yankees don't have the um, the luxury of tearing it completely down, you know, and, and losing 95 to 100 games a year to build it back up. They just don't, right? That's not the way Yan- the Yankees work. I mean, they haven't been below 500 since 1994. Well, the year before 94, since 93, I think. I mean, which is an insane, which is an insane run. So I don't know. I, I just, I, I think they're going to end up just extending him, but I'd be, I'd be very wary and I'd be really tough in those negotiations. Well, I'm, I don't, I don't know. It's like his current deal or his arbitration, whatever's going on with him. I don't know how many years he has left until he is a free agent. But I would ride out that contract. As I think he's up at the end of next year. I, yeah, so, I so they should ride it out till next year. Because to be honest, even if he has an unreal season next year, the value for him is not going to go up. Because everyone knows that's what he is. You know what I mean? Like it's not going to be some player that hits 30 home runs a year and then all of a sudden hits 50. They're going to get the big payday. No, we know what Aaron Judge can do when healthy. Mm-hmm. So his, his value won't go up necessarily no matter what. So why don't you ride it out? Let's not, let's not start paying a third guy $30 million plus. Let's keep the, the salary on a, like on a pretty decent level now because we're under the, 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 the tax, which is kind of good. I actually like that. I think it's ridiculous that we have to go over the tax just to win or even have a chance to win. I mean, you look at the Rays, who have like a third of our salary – they went right to the World Series. The Astros, they don't pay as much as us. No one pays as much as us. It's crazy. So let's let's ride it out. And then, you know, you reevaluate in two years. But I do think they need to sell on some of these other guys because, look, Luke Voigt, I love him. I think he brings a lot of energy to the clubhouse. And the same as Mike Talkman. I'm not sure why they traded him. But Luke Voigt just has not performed. He really and has. he's superfluous. And yeah, he's superfluous to Judge, and he's superfluous to Stanton. It's the same hitter, like literally from two through like six or seven. It's the exact same hitter, the exact same. There's no difference. And then they'll be like, then they'll Boone will sneak in Odor in the middle, and it's like, well, Odor doesn't hit, so why does it even matter? The <laughs> only thing Odor hits is when he decides that he's going to throw fisticuffs, and then he hits somebody. You got Bautista cleanly. It's a good shot. Yeah, and and he's been riding off that and on major league rosters because of that, right? For years. He hasn't done anything, you know, when it comes to playing the game of baseball to merit playing. I mean, he did have a couple of big hits early on in his Yankee tenure, but since then he's done squad douche. Like, what are we doing here? Yeah, I no, hate watching this baseball team. I hate it. It's the worst. You know, I was going to games the first couple month month and a half. I'd say I was going to a lot of games, and then once they just started playing like this, just horrible brand of baseball, I was like, I just I can't I can't watch it. I just cannot watch it. It is horrendous. There's no base running. I mean, they get thrown out at every base. It's it's so bad. They don't hit. They strike out. There's no energy. I remember the 2017 Yankees. You get a double, thumbs down, boom, everyone's hyped. We get a double now. Now it's just you're taking off your your pads and you're just you're sitting there like nothing happened. Get excited. Let's well, they wanted to incorporate the um, putting the jacket on if you hit a big home run 
So I, I'm for those little things. Yeah. But then again, if we do that, let's close out a five-run game when you have a five-run lead in the ninth. How about that, all right? They walked 14 damn times, and they strand so many freaking runs. This team is so incredibly, so incredibly flawed, and their wet blanket manager doesn't seem to give a damn because he's just a puppet of the stat nerds. Yeah, no, I Somebody mean. Somebody flip a table. Somebody hit somebody with a baseball bat. Do something. I don't care. Well, what, what Garrett Cole did was awesome. I mean, you can just tell that if you were a guy who worked for the analytics and the Yankees, you had to feel that. That was a punch in the gut to you because the analytics said, do not pitch Cole against Alvarez. Alvarez had two homers on him earlier in the year in that game. I was at that game at Yankee And he was Stadium. at 120 pitches. 130 pitches. They said, take him out. Put in Chapman, but there's something called heart. When a guy wants to win, you listen to your ace who you're paying $350 million. And when he says, everyone, leave, I'm finishing it out right now, you get up and you leave. And I give a lot of credit to DJ LeMayhew. The only reason I believe that Garrett Cole stayed in that game was because Garrett Cole said, he said, I'm getting this guy out right now. We're ending this thing right now. Let's go. And the first person to move without even listening to Aaron Boone was LeMayhew. He just Starts out of the huddle. Everyone else leaves. And what, is Aaron Boone going to take the ball away from him when he's the only guy in the well, mound? That, right. Well, at that point, if Boone takes the ball, there's mutiny. There's mutiny. Yeah. That's no, it. There's 100%. mutiny. There's, there's an absolute mutiny. And you would think that that good juju would have carried over. But no. Okay, so here we are, right? What, what do you expect from this team? Because there have been highs and there have been lows. There have been peaks and valleys, right? What do you expect from this team going forward into the second half? So I think they're going to play probably like eight games over, nine games over. I really do think they will because a lot of these games have been like freak, freak games. Like, look, Altuve's home run last night was a ball in the dirt. <laughs> like, he's unreal, but like that was a ball in the dirt. You know, and it, like it's just it, – there's been freak stuff. Uh, Chapman gives up a home run to a lefty. Like, just stuff like that does not happen often. So I think they'll turn around. I think the most important thing, though, is the guys need to get excited. They need to show fans. They need to show everyone that we want to win and we're ready to go. I just haven't felt that. And I, I'm a big Islander fan, and I see that the way these guys play every night in the playoffs and how they dine for each other. I don't see that with the Yankees. I need to see that heart. I need to see them be like, we're going out and we're winning this game right now. Let's take over. And Aaron Judge, you taunt Altuve, and you go 0 for 4 in the final game. Like, come on. We need to, we need to back this stuff up. If we're going to smack talk the Rays and all these teams, the Red Sox, let's go out and crush them. That's the real statement. No one cares what you say. It's what you do in the field. Predictions on moves? I think they get Starling Marte. That's my uh, – I think Cattell Marte might be a little too expensive. And I think it's better to get Starling Marte. I think he's a little better with, like, base running and, like, little stuff like that. Um, to be honest, though, I mean, I just don't know. I, I think they'll make a move. But then there's also that part of me that says there's no way they're going to make a move because they're just stubborn with this team. They haven't made any changes at all this whole year. Not a single guy has been sent down. And you've been sending down good players. Why Nestor Cortez wasn't on the team the entire year? 
and guys like Nick Nelson were coming up and Brian Abreu who never sees the field anyways. It's like, I just don't, I don't get what the front office is doing. I really don't. And why Miguel Andujar, it took so long for him to really to get up and start playing. Why Clint Frazier was up for so long. Clint Frazier is hitting 190 for a consistent three months. And it took three months of 190 to send him down. I mean, come on. It's Clint Frazier. No one cares. It's not Aaron Judge hitting 190. It's Clint Frazier. Bring some young gun up who wants to play. And then you trade away Mike Talkman, who was arguably one of the hearts of your team. The guy that was putting motivation on the field and just getting the guys riled up. And then you trade him away for Wandy Peralta, who's sitting, who was sitting in the minors. I think he might be up now, but like it's just questionable things that have been going on that I just don't get. Bad news. Playoffs, yes or no? Before yes. I let you go. Yes. 100 percent Wild card. Wild card. I think. And the only issue, though, is that I think they're going to get to the wild card, but they're going to have to play a game 161, game 162. We're going to have to burn Garrett Cole. You're going to have to. And that scares me. They really, really need to find a way to get on a run early so they can relax towards the end of the season and just say, you know what? If we have to play the wild card game on the road, we have to play the wild card game on the road. Let's go out and win. But yes, I do think they'll make it. All right. Andrew, this was fun. It was good to rant. Yes. Yankees stink. Hopefully they won't stink the next time we speak. Um, okay. Yeah, and um, we'll talk throughout the season. Uh, it was nice that I actually got a split against your dad this past weekend in tennis, which was good for a change. <laughs> and uh, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much for doing it, man. Speak to you. Thanks again to recurring guest, Mr. Andrew Sender, for coming on to talk about the Yankees a little bit. Hopefully they won't stink in the second half of the season. We'll get back in this race, especially in the division race. Kudos again. Big shout out to Jacob Steinmetz. Congratulations, buddy. We're rooting for you. And that's episode 118 for the love of the game. Take us out, schoolboy Q. Uh-huh. Bam, bam, bam. Yeah, 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 yeah. Brassy yeah. girls everywhere. Hands, hands in the air. Somebody over here. Shaking for the man of the year. Oh, met man of the year. Met man of the bounce. Brassy girls everywhere. Somebody over here, shaking for the man of the year. Met man of the year, met man of the bounce. Brassy girls everywhere, hands in the air. Somebody over here, shaking for the man of the year. Met man of the year, met man of the Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.